is odd. But there's a way to um, turn that off, the three finger thing. Hello, everyone. I believe we are on now. And good to see you all. Um, even though there are zero people right now on George. <laughs> We're starting early. Oh, it's um, five days. It's not that early, right? <laughs> Yes, no, it's not that early. It's not that early, but we literally just came on now. So, um, how is everything going today? Yeah, Other than this the is fact a good day. That you're having some technical difficulties? I've sorted it out now. I've sorted it oh. out. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. 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 I know you have some Africa updates for us, and we are talking about the different places. Do you want me to share it now? Did you ask me? Sorry, I lost you a little bit there. I think it was just a hiccup on the internet. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. There's a little lag on the internet. Yeah, I was just wondering if you have any updates on Africa and what are some things that are going on today because uh there's always a lot that changes right with especially yes. with this virus and the you know past couple of days and just everything seems to change pretty quickly yes today was a good day for us in africa um we we got a lot of very very encouraging messages from all of africa of people taking baby steps in their community, just trying to, to stabilize the situation a bit. Um, and what I mean by that is really that initial shock that is hit, especially our communities that are so vulnerable and cut off from reliable information and where there's a lot of false narratives and things like that. So um, the hands teams really managed to make amazing progress. Um, yesterday in reaching these people and bringing hope. And, and I hope to play you a, a sound, but just now just sharing with you a little bit what's happening. But it's, it was a good news. One of our other international volunteers was hoping for an extension and a visa in Mozambique, and that came through. Right. Um, and God. so uh, tonight we are so grateful to God that we, we had a good day after a couple of tough ones. Know, there's is um you know we prayed for lagos last time yes. any updates yes. in nigeria i i did see yeah. the bbc you know i think i sent it to you a bbc yeah, report it, uh, yeah. it's actually the same thing that you were talking about it basically was mm. describing literally the same thing and mm -hmm. just wondering if there's any updates there yeah there's um no further updates on any development further on but obviously very tense and um, people are very, very concerned. The good thing that is happening across Africa, and, and may I dare to say the first time in the history of Africa, and that is that wealthy businessmen and politicians alike are giving very generously towards um, fighting the COVID-19 um, pandemic. And so we have seen a number of senators in Nigeria in the last 24 hours uh, pledging half their annual salaries towards um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've seen basically one, two, three, four billionaires in, in South Africa and in Nigeria. Uh, one in Nigeria, I think, and three in South Africa that both, all, all four of them pledged a, a billion rand each. So that's huge, you know. Um, so there are some um, encouraging things happening in the midst of this that um, I think could set a new tone in Africa after this, because there would be now expectations on more well-off people to um, respond when people are suffering, which yeah. I think in the past 
never happened. People always looked to international community, mm-hmm. but I definitely see within Africa this this for the first time I've ever seen such a response mm-hmm. of people. That's good news. Wow, that's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. Now I believe you had um, you've spoken with some of the different hands volunteers and care workers on the field and there are some good things to report and you even want to share like you said yeah. a sound clip of just some reports so if you could give yeah. us some of the context of that yeah that yeah just in the last um nearly 36 hours i mean so short we have seen, seen such a phenomenal response from people that we never expected it from because and there was no expectation from them. For example, you know, the, the maintenance team or the guys, such amazing guys working and keeping our property in good shape. Of course, we sent them home during the lockdown, but um, Never, who's one of our maintenance guys, he found out that we were still going to a community not far away from him. And that we actually had a very tough time there to try and break the fear cycle and to reach the children and bring hope. And so out of his own, he went out for the last two days and um, he just joined the field staff and on his own voluntary went to the front line. Um, We've seen church leaders coming out. In fact, it's a beautiful story. Um, I think I will play it for you. You will hear it from the horse's mouth, so to say tonight but we've seen local church respond. That's very encouraging for us because that's always been very tough for us to get the local church to become relevant in the community and in the situation where people are suffering around them. And so I'm, I'm, my spirit has really been lifted up by the news that I received. And just our leaders, specifically um, Levy and Praxidens in Zambia and Dan and Jen in South Africa, these guys carrying a massive load at the moment and um, they're in good spirits and yeah, I'm just very grateful for the wisdom that they have at the moment. Excellent. So you want to play that clip for us? I will do that and I'm hoping that it will work. Um, as you know, I'm technically challenged. So this is... Um, <laughs> This is, uh, let me just give you a quick, uh, this, uh, it's Jackie. Jackie is from Kenya. She's been with us for over a decade, I think. But she's one of our senior leaders, amazing woman. And she went into a community with Nikki, my daughter, actually. And, um, and never the, the maintenance guy that I told you about. Mm-hmm. And they actually, the most unlike group you can imagine to mobilize the church leader, but they managed to do it. And I'm going to play you a piece and I hope it makes sense and maybe we can just touch on it. Okay. With Audrey and Babe Vusi going to push back rich communities yesterday, Nikki, who is now part of hospitality and brother Neva from maintenance joined me to support Hezebio Service Center in Mafambisa Community Care Point, which had been closed due to the lockdown since last week. We started with a holy home visit to Pastor Mbowane, as this Mafambisa care point is in his church compound. We shared with him that Hands at Work is an essential service provider and explained exactly what that meant. We discussed how caring for most vulnerable children would look like in this season. Immediately, the pastor was on board and together we visited care worker homes and six most vulnerable families. Some of the Gogos were so happy to see us. They could not hide their joy by how they were ready to hug us and wanting to shake hands. Pastor Boani gently explained why we could not shake their hands or hug them. The highlight actually was seeing how Pastor had taken ownership. He communicated so clearly to the care workers and the caregivers. He communicated to the children well and told them 
that the care point would be opened from today. So the story continues just to um, just to give a final um, what happened towards the end was actually um, that happened yesterday. And today um, we Jackie and then went early in the morning, very early, to go and cook food for our children. And when they got um, to the Cape Point, the pastor were actually up already from mates, probably half past four in the morning, and the pastor prepared all the food. He made the fire and he cooked all the maize. And so by the time wow. Jackie and Nikki got there, the food was already prepared. Now, I want to tell you, that's the first in the history of hands at work in 20 years. And so wow. just the response of this church leader, helping us to reach the most vulnerable people, and to bring life to them and hope to them was, was mm. such a highlight today. Mm. That is excellent. That is such good news, you know, to hear that. So I think uh, as a good segue, we are looking at Daniel 3 and talk about a believer standing out, you know, and, and making a difference in a very difficult time period. Yes. We're looking at three believers of God who are going to stand out today. And you chose this passage today. <laughs> so, and you're leading us. So there's, there's so much here. It's a good possibility. We're going to be bleeding into next week and just, yeah. sort of, I mean, I'm sorry on wet Friday, cause it's, it's a long passage. There's a lot to discuss. There's even some, you know, of course, as we talked about last time, if anyone has any questions, we will address them. And there's even a topic that I wanted to cover from last time was talking about the idea of the concept of death, which sort of is here as well. So with that said, I don't believe we're going to be reading the whole passage. It might take a little bit too long because we don't have a lot of time, but we did ask everyone to uh, read it in advance as much as possible. If you didn't get a chance to read it, fear not, you can just open your Bible right now to Daniel chapter three. If you are either Jewish or a Christian, you're probably somewhat familiar with this passage, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fire. And um, yeah, and so first, George, you mind praying for us? Yeah, that sounds good, thank you. Father, we, we come to you tonight um, and we've just heard of good things that happen when ordinary lay people and church leaders, maintenance men, a nurse from Kenya, a girl who just finished school last year, when they came together, uh, hope was sparked in a community that was hopeless. And I pray, Father, as we um, live in these times of uncertainty and much anxiety and fear, that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tonight you will inspire us, you will build in us, and you will help us so that we can become um, sparks of hope where we are. Because if there's ever been a time on this planet where there's a need for sparks of hope, then it is now, right now. And as your sons and your daughters, we put up our hands and we say, Lord, use us. So tonight, encourage us, speak to us, and we open our hearts and our spirits, and we say like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, like I said, you chose this passage, so I'm, I know you have a lot you want to share, and I'll dive in with you. Um, Thank you, Any sir. first introductory thoughts or just uh, considerations? Yeah, just um, maybe just to touch on, on to say that the book of Daniel was obviously written and the story was about a, a nation that went through the darkest possible um, history. Um, we must remember that um, Israel was an exile. People came in, forces, armies came in and they attacked 
Israel. Um, and they took the young people, they killed most of the old people, and they took the young people into exile. And Daniel was one of these people that were taken. Um, most scholars would agree that Daniel couldn't have been older than 15, if you look at how long he lived, and most probably between the age of 12 and 15. When, um, we can see a picture of Daniel in just a long line of young boys and girls um, who that very morning maybe still woke up in their safe homes with their parents, and a few hours later, everything was burning as they were hit by the enemy. Um, and, and what happened there at that moment? And where did that take him to? And how did this book bring a timeless message to appeal to generations of saints, um, especially those in exile? And Sam, if I can stop here for a moment and just say, you know, I was on an island just off Senegal where the African slaves used to be taken. Um, they say that uh, colonial guys would hit the African villages at first light. And then they will grab the slaves, put them in chains. And that night they would sleep in jails um, on the island. And I was on that island in those jails. And I walked down the aisle that these um, slaves would walk to be placed on boats to be taken to Europe and America. They call it the door of no return. I went through that door. It was unbelievable to imagine that thousands of men and women and children were separated. You know, there was a policy that said that the men and the women were not allowed to go to the same continent. So they, that morning, the family woke up together. That evening, they were separated in jails. And a few weeks later, they were sent to different continents they didn't even know existed. Just imagine that. That's the reality of our history as human beings. Um, and, and that happened right through the history. And it's so important for us this morning, uh, this evening, as we look at the scripture, that we do not think we are the first or we are unlucky or, you know, why me in this time? This is the history. This is what happened over and over. But in the midst of these things, we as believers, as sons and daughters, we've got the scriptures that speaks life and hope, not just of God's intervention, but of ordinary people like you and me, um, responding in a manner that bring hope, not just to our generation, but to many, many generations to come. And Daniel, in Daniel 12, verse 6, he asked this question, and this question has been asked through the centuries, even by the psalmist. And right now we ask the question, how long? How long will this happen? And how do we respond? I want us, if I take us now on a, maybe a two-minute narrative of what happened in Daniel 3, just that we can catch a few um, key phrases that we can focus on to help us and to encourage us um, tonight and maybe if we have to, to take it further with us on Friday night. Of course, Daniel 3 is not about Daniel. Daniel was actually not present in this chapter. And I'm so grateful for that, you know, Sam, because Daniel was such a massive hero. I mean, the guy locked up the mouths of lions and he, he revealed dreams that nobody could ever, you know, he was just this big man that none of us can think I can be like him. So in God's wisdom, Daniel was not part of this chapter. It was just three men, young men. In fact, the Bible called them, the word there, if you translate it, is really boys. It was like three boys, um, young, maybe 19, 20-year-old kids that just did this phenomenal, incredible thing. And it all started when King Nebuchadnezzar, of course, made this huge image of gold. And I think that I want to leave that point. It's a very important point. He made an image of gold and he placed it in a plain of Dura. 
everybody agreed was outside the city on a plane where people could go to and see it. And, and it was this impressive. Um, I think it was 16 stories high from right. Yeah. 16 stories high. Um, it, of course, it wasn't solid gold, so it must have been wood or something covered in gold. But this think impressive like, thing. I think of the, something like the Statue of Liberty. You know, exactly. That's something, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. You know, but yeah. it, it's supposedly about 90 feet. Yes, that's right. By 90, nine yeah. feet. So, yeah. Yeah. Obelisk like, great size, Statue of Liberty like. Size. Yeah. 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 And, and yes, yes, the next thing is so important. When he did that, he called all the big shots together. Mm -hmm. He called the uh, of the prefects, the governors, the councillors, the treasurers, the justice people, the magistrates, all of the who's who came to see this massive gold image. And they placed this incredible burden on the rest of the community. And they, they said, you will worship this. You will worship this. You will fall down and worship this community we read in, in, in verse six. But then, of course, you know, it's so interesting. Um, the, the people that exposed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think the NIV had a better translation. Do you know what they called them in the NIV, Sam? Um, astronauts, ast no, ast astronomers. No, gosh, now I'm completely off the track of my English. Um, I just want to go to it in the NIV. Maybe you can find it if you have it. Um, I've got it somewhere. I can go back to it. But they really show who these men were that exposed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they told the king, look at these men. They are different. And they, they used this word, Sam. They said, they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up and then of course we know it went to a head-on and in in verse 16 um shadrach meshach and abednego spoke to the king and they said oh nebuchadnezzar we have no need to answer you in this matter we're not going to defend ourselves if this if it is be so our god who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up before us. And all of us know this beautiful story of what happened and how they were thrown in a fire, and even the soldiers who threw them in burnt. But then Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire, and he said, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not heard. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Of course, we know what happened after that is that all these important people saw what happened. They saw that these ordinary three men came out of the fire. Their hair did not even burn. In fact, their clothing did not even smell like smoke. And it made Nebuchadnezzar confirm, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trust in him. Isn't that an incredible story? Mm -hmm. So, yes. so relevant yes. for us today. Yes, I believe the word is astrologers. Astrologist, thank yes. you. They tend to be, you know, those ones who try to read the stars. Exactly. Try to get yes. a sense of fate yes. and different yes. types of wisdom. Yes. Yes. yes.
you know, Sam, I, they, yeah. Oh no, I, I uh, am so struck by. So one thing that struck me, George, is um, when I look at the Bible, I always see that when the Bible repeats phrases and words, there's always a purpose to it. And there are certain words and phrases that just uh, just resound or it's like, for example, the phrase set up, the word set up is nine times. So it almost has that sense of, you yeah. get the sense that it's, okay, I'm doing the work. You know, I, it's, yes. that's in general what idolatry is, right? It's sort of an exalting of the self. And it's, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it. I'm setting everything up. I'm doing this. And then another yeah, yeah. one is people's nations and languages. And that's three times that phrase. And then fall down and worship five times, fall down yeah. and worship. And yeah. like you said, they list all the different uh, officials twice yeah. in the first section. Then they also, interestingly enough, list all the instruments that worship these gods four times. Horn, pipe, yeah. lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe. And I think yeah. it really is intended to show just how much celebration there is over this. It's it's just really, it gives you this sort of audio, yeah. uh, visual picture yeah. of the grand scope of this worship, um, of this. It, it, everything seems very vibrant. If, you, if At least that's what I get from that picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I love that. And you know, Sam, I want to take us back again. I do it every night, but I think it's so important for us. I want to take us back again. People might ask who come on for the first time tonight. Yes. Why do you talk about this? Do you know what's <laughs> happening outside? And so remember we said, for there are some things we cannot control and cannot change. And there are some things we can do. And one of the things we can do in this time is draw close to God. Right through history, it is through the toughest times where the biggest renewals and revivals came. But that only happened when we are honestly and vulnerably digging deep into God's word to allow him to show us what is wrong and how we can guide us so we can become strong and be restored. That it's always the heart of the Father, always. And so tonight when we look at this, we look at the time in history where they faced similar anxiety and fear. And in the midst of that, these amazing things happen. And that's why we speak about it tonight. And one of the first things that struck me, Sam, was in verse one, it said about the image of God in the plain of Dura. And I don't know why, but when I read it, I thought, man, there's something in this. Um, I could imagine the city and then outside the city, the plain where huge crowds could gather. And in the midst of that plain, you saw them preparing this massive, impressive gold image. Um, and so I started looking at that and working through that. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar, have constructed this thing so that everybody could go there and be yes. impressed and worship. And it's mm -hmm. all about self-exalting himself and all the important people outside the city in the plain of Dura. Mm -hmm. So that's when I thought about that, that I understood what I was trying to get to. Because at that moment, I thought about Hebrews 12, 13 verse 12 and 13. And it said, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the whole people holy through his blood. Now listen, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. And suddenly I saw this self-exaltation versus the humble Christ. A massive 16-story gold image and a man hanging on a tree. Suddenly I saw the two forces of self and of Christ. Mm -hmm. I thought of Galatians uh, 6.14. May I never boast 
because this was all about boasting, right? Mm -hmm. May I mm -hmm. never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which this world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, when, when you think about that, and you think about those three young boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm -hmm. they couldn't that morning, when they heard about the image, and uh, they couldn't then quickly say, let's be brave. It doesn't work like that. They were trained from young. Like David that ran towards Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew God deeply. And so they could respond when the moment presented itself. And that, uh, there's a word for us in this time. That is the word. How can we respond? And how can we ensure that our children and we ourselves can respond better in situations that suddenly come upon us? Because when it come on us in a sudden way, that's when we struggle. And so I just started looking at that and I thought, in, in, in Luke 6, 26, well, let's, can I just quickly read Luke 6, verse 20 to 26, Sam? Then I'll give you a space to respond to yes, all of this. Yes. But Jesus spoke and he said this. And, you know, by the way, he looked at his disciples. He didn't speak to the world. He looked at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Because great is the reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now. For you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how they treated the false prophet. In Daniel verse 12, we read, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship your image that you have set up. So they said to the kings, these three men pay no attention to you. They don't serve your God. They understood a secret that was instilled in them deeply long before this happened. I really like what you said about the contrast between Nebuchadnezzar, him putting the statue outside in the plains of Dura, uh, Dura, Dura. and, and uh, what Paul writes in Galatians about Jesus being crucified outside the camp. What a contrast. I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, and this Friday coming, not this Friday, but the next one, we're remembering exactly. that in the church calendar year, exactly. recognizing exactly that reality. Something yeah. that, so that contrast, you know, in the world operates the way that Nebuchadnezzar does. I, he's not abnormal. He's quite normal. He's quite typical of human arrogance, pride. Uh, I, I've heard you talk about this many times. In fact, you, you uh, put me onto a book called The Fate of Africa, and it sort of gives a, a relatively modern historical, political, historical, sociological view of Africa from about 1800s to present. Mm -hmm. And one of the big themes of that, and you, you've mentioned this many times, is the concept of the big man, you know, the, the big man idea, which is it's not an African thing. It's a human thing. You know, we've had big men all throughout human history from Lamech in Genesis yeah. Yeah. to Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> He's a big man. Yeah. 
it, what, a, what a contrast to Christ, you know, and who he is. I, I really wanted to just uh, ask you to share a little bit about that. You've experienced that very personally and the implications of that. And how is it that Christ counteracts that? And where's the real power lay? Because it, definitely in places, again, this is a human thing. This is not an African thing, but in Africa, you do see that idea uh, alongside with, you know, all around the world, but you've encountered that. How does the power of the big man, where they're trying to gain it all for themselves, how does that contrast with the power of the, the one who is in Christ, who says, lay down your life, humble yourself, yeah. and yeah. he will lift you up. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It, it would seem as though you wouldn't want to take the road of the Christian because you want to be the big man. That's so what do you think of that? And you have any thoughts? I'm sure you have a yeah, thought. It's, yeah, it's it's big and in Africa, of course, we see it and we speak very strong about it and it's very painful. But I must start with myself before I talk about them. You know, if you give me half an inch, I will start building my little throne and think I'm important and I will start thinking. And so we need to recognize that each and every one of us have to constantly make those choices. For me, one of the prayers that I want to pray daily, and I, Galatians 2.20, where I make a choice when I pray in the morning and I say, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in a body, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I do not pray this every morning, if I don't consider it, contemplate on it, talk about it, preach about it, live it out, I will become a big man. And so that is a thing that's in us. And I have seen through my 24 years in Africa, Sam, I would literally find orphans in a, in a field. And they would, um, they would have potential and I would invest in them. And slowly they will start building up. And then one day I will see their destruction because they honestly believe that they the smartest things since Jesus had ever walked on this earth. And they had nothing to boast about, but they believe the lie that they are smart and big. And so that thing is in all of us. And as a culture in the United States, good grief. It is one gigantic monster, right? So there's something yes. beautiful about the American culture that say we, we are resilient and we can build. I, you know, when I listen to that, I love that. I thought, you know, people like that, I can go to war with. I can go through battles because we do need to have a, a, a thing in us that say, together we can make it. That is beautiful. But I think if it grows long enough and you are isolating yourself long enough with people that think like you, then you actually start thinking you're better than all the other nations and all the other people. And that's where we get into deep danger. And so one of the challenges I want to give the church and myself, especially in this time, is to say, what is our culture? I spoke today to people, beautiful people. I mean, um, it's actually Susie and Anne and Linda and them. I just had such a wonderful time. But I said to them, let's listen to the language. May I just use an example quickly, Sam? A typical church that will partner with an African organization or African church, and they will use language like this. Oh, we support, let's just say hands at work. We support hands at work. We even go and visit them every second year and we help them. You know, even that language surely portray serious arrogance and self-righteousness. Because, you know, Paul say in 2 Corinthians 8, to the rich people, as you give towards the poor, you give of what you have much, you give in their need, so that they, what they have much, will give to you in your need. So Paul knew something there. And, and I'm just using that as an example yes. to say, for us not to become a big man, we need to constantly humble ourselves constantly we need to get into a lively rhythm 
where we build others up, we serve others. So when a church partner with, for example, uh, a little African ministry, and they constantly, and that I can honestly say is the case of most of our partners do, they constantly boast about it the movement in Africa, they constantly say how privileged they are. That fruit brings humbleness and growth. And that is the investment in the young people because the young people understand that versus we are helping others, we are giving to others. I think that's just one of the um, observations which I think for us tonight, we can try and apply in our own personal lives. I I think when you say that, what I hear is that we are all, we have Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's not, we shouldn't read this uh, verses uh, one through seven and say, wow, Nebuchadnezzar, that guy is pretty messed up. He's really arrogant. I'm not like yeah. that. <laughs> and remember, I had said that the phrase set up, set it up, you know, um, it occurs yeah. nine times. If you listen to it, he set it up on the plane, verse one, right? And then it says, um, it, it just constantly uses that phrase, that concept that he's doing the work. Nebuchadnezzar yeah. had set up. That's us. It's, you're right. It's what you said. It's Americans, um, just people who think it's all their work, their strength, their education their money, yeah. their resources. And we're out there to help the poor, poor old Africa or poor old, you know, different parts Maybe, of Southeast yeah, Asia or South, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they're homeless. And the, in that sense, you're right. It's a uh, Nebuchadnezzar's heart is not so far from us. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very good. And, you know, um, the uniqueness of the moment we live in right now, and those of you that know um, a little bit about what's happening in Africa and Antwerp in a moment, um, you know that the African people are praying and interceding because they can see what's happening in New York, you know, and I get just flooded with messages. Baba, what can we do? How can we help? I remember when there was this huge fire in Australia, not the last one, the one before, Black Saturday in Melbourne. I was on my way to uh, Australia a few weeks after that, actually that very same week. And African people sent me money. And I went to mm. Australia with, with African money in my pockets, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and I went to the church leaders there that we partnered with and I mm. took the money out and I say, and you know, they wouldn't accept it initially. They said, no, no, we appreciate your love, but we don't need it. And I said, you better take it. Yes. This comes from the heart. Yes. Money is not about who has and who doesn't has. Mm. We, we are feeling for you. You are bleeding and we hurt. And, and at the moment, it's going to switch roles maybe in the future soon, but at the moment, the United States is hurting. And Africa is weeping because we know very well how it feels. Mm -hmm. And that must be a humbling moment for us in the United States. You know, mm -hmm. we must look at that and say, you've got so much to weep around about back in your own backyard. And yet you spend hours a day at the moment praying for us, mm -hmm. asking George, what can we do for, for yes. Pastor Sam and Wellspring and Chris, Christ Church and these. And that it just so humbles me that's how god works and that's the thing that's so beautiful when we um reject the image of exalting ourselves sometimes in the name of christianity or in the name of jesus we exalt ourselves you know we gently put ourselves on a pedestal over those that receive from us and um yeah, I think that is a, it's a great word for all of us in this time to come mm. clean on that so that we can um, be refreshed in our hearts. Yeah. Yes. So I want to move forward to verses 8 through 18. It's uh, a these three men, yeah. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. What do yeah. you, when you see them, what comes yeah. to your mind? Well, if you ask me if I can only allow to give one highlight about yes. this, 
then it will absolutely be verse 17. The right translation there would perhaps be, he may rescue us. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I think that's a better yes, that's right. translation. And, and, that's right. and I think basically what they're saying here is we understand God well enough and we've got enough peace in our hearts that we understand that God does not always save us. Yes. But he always knows best. And he's always got a bigger picture in mind, even though what he chose might absolutely look disastrous to us. We might even have personal loss. We still choose. We make the choice. And Sam, in, um, in 2002, Linda Mzimba, who walked for many years with me in the field, a wonderful, wonderful, godly woman. She was already 70-something that time. I buried five of her daughters and granddaughters in six weeks. It was the toughest time I've ever had in my life. I sat with everyone, sat next to Linda, holding their hands as they died, everyone. And I remember when we buried the first daughter, Linda looked at me and she, she just wept. Her heart was just broken. And she said to me, um, Sipo, if God finds them the right people to take home now, then I say, yes, Father. You can imagine for me with my Western little mindset, how that blew me out and how I tried to understand the depths of this. Now, one of the very good advantages that we have in this very tough time is that this opened up the opportunity for us to really go deeper with each other and to address things which normally would be taboos. For example, that God does allow sometimes things in our minds to happen that we cannot and will not accept. That's our first reaction. But these three young boys, young boys, they say, man, our God may, we don't know his will, but he may rescue us. But what we do know is this, these knees will not mm-hmm. bow. Mm-hmm. And that is for me the highlight, you know. Mm-hmm. Verse 18 makes that point, even if you don't use the word may, but if not, I mean, just that phrase already says yes. he might not do, he might not rescue us, but in the end, we're not bowing down. And yeah, I absolutely think that is the, the crux of this passage. It, it is, there's so much there. Uh, you know, a lot of us, we, we're facing, and I, again, I, I think this is one of the reasons why we're, I'm so thankful to be able to talk to you so much at this time period of at least this country's history is that, uh, you know, there's, you face death quite regularly, even as you just, you know, yeah. all the stories that you share. I, we know maybe a few people who are really in perhaps difficult situations um, in the ICU or who are really struggling physically, but, you know, we're not regularly burying our children, grandchildren, um, mothers. It's, it, it happens, but it's, it's much more rare than, say, what you would face. And to be at a place where it, it's so easy to have this mindset of, well, if God is good, he's going yeah. Yeah, yeah. to heal. He's going to yes, protect yes. us. And yes. you know, because of that, I almost feel as though fear it's almost as if, and, and you know, we always talk about going deeper, where almost yeah. where it hurts. It's almost as if we don't believe in eternity. Yeah, it's exactly especially if we're saved. I, I'm I'm not exactly. talking about um, if we're not saved, but if we are saved, yeah. yeah, then really there has to be a different perspective. And yeah. I look at, I look at passages like Second uh, Corinthians twelve, where Paul is asked, "Please." Lord, take this thorn of flesh away from me. And Jesus' answer is not, I'm going to heal you. It's my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. I look at Hebrews 11. You know, it could have been yeah. that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego would have died. But in Hebrews 11, 
he says, the writer says, um, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. These are amazing things. Quenched the uh, power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong. Um, women received back their dead. So miraculous things. But then it says, some were tortured. Exactly. Refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered yeah. mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. Yeah. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. The world was not worthy of them. And to be a, a believer of God, to be a Christian, does not mean that it's always going to work out the way it did for Daniel or Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They, but they, I really believe, even if Daniel was eaten by the lions, or if Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were burned alive in that furnace, they would have still trusted in God. The end result was not what, you know, it's so easy to read this and feel as though, oh, well, I guess that means that if we believe in God, everything's going to be okay at the end. Hebrews 11 shows us that's not always the case, at least in this world, but it is okay in the end, in the eternal end. You know, that's, Sam, if you think for a moment about a testimony of somebody that truly inspire you, then it is not a testimony of him overcoming everything. And, you know, it's a testimony that even though that tragedy happened to him, yes. today he's doing this. Even though, look at the early Christians that were burned on a stake. I mean, they laid the foundation of faith for all of us. We know how many of them sang hymns, worshipped God, while the flames were eating on their their, their bones. We, none of us desire that, and we shouldn't. That is not that it should be either. But we think of Job 13, verse 15, where Job said, um, even though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Another translation said, even though he slay me, yet will I worship him. Um, and, you know, Jesus himself spoke in Matthew 10, 28, where he said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and the body. You know, that's eternal perspective. Mm. Jesus said, do not be afraid of that. There's something better and bigger and eternal. And um, when we talk about inspiration, for me, people that inspire me is people that in spite of, I can nearly say without exception, the people that nearly left a lasting impression on me, were people that walked with an illness, with a limitation, with a pain, and yet they had the joy of God. You think of Paul that he spoke about the thorn in his flesh. Even though he had the thorn in his flesh, yet was he this great inspiration to the New Testament yes. churches. Yes. And so we can go and sit in a heap and say, why don't you heal me if you're a good God? And he said, man, there's so much more and bigger in here. And it's so bigger. And may I say this respectfully, Sam, there's so much more in here than you and your healing or your comfort or your wish. And the I, that I is so big in our culture. That I is nearly the untouchable part about us. You know, my rights, me. And that's why we are in a place where we are. We, there must always be a scapegoat. Somebody must lose his job. Somebody must go to jail. Somebody must suffer. And eventually somebody must get sued. Because somebody must pay the price. And that is total contradiction with what we read in the Bible. Yeah. When we look at, so the themes that, just seems to keep on hitting us is that the people of the Bible, what they have is that they are always looking at God as he is. Yeah. And the more they look at God as he is, then they can go through any circumstance and not be afraid and not yeah. worry. Once they take their eyes off of God, whether it's Peter on the water, um, turning his eyes away from Jesus, looking at the waves, whether it's, you know, what, what helped David was not that he had a slingshot and he yes. could 
perfectly, you know, <laughs> align that rock to hit Goliath right in the perfect spot. But it was that he, he, you know, how dare Goliath mock them, the mighty God of Israel. That's or good. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, their focus is yeah. not about trying to have this great faith, but it's yes. God is, whether they live or die, they completely trust him. It's why they weren't afraid. When we keep our eyes away from God, we will always be worried and anxious. It will, it will happen. When we yeah, keep our good. eyes fixed on God, then we can go through the most tremendous trials and yeah. still, yeah. still walk through. Knowing that, as Isaiah says, and God says to Isaiah, you know, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the flames, you will not be yeah. hurt. It's not that you will, you know, God is with you. You might end up dying, but you will not end up, like you said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? You have your eternity. It's, again, to go back to that illustration, is the dot in the wall. You know, yeah. we have, yeah. we're living for much more than this dot called life here on earth. Yeah. And if we really believe that, if we really know who he is, what this is, what is reality? then we don't, we're not swamped over by a disease, by the fear of it, yeah. you know, controlled by just all this sense of foreboding and, and uh, as though it's robbing us of joy and, and the anxiety is just sweeping over us like a, a big wave that's crashing on us over and over again. And I think this verse 17 is so critical for us to understand verses 16 through 18, 17 through 18. Yeah. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will serve your, we will not serve your gods. I hope there are a lot of people out there who say, I will not serve your gods. And I, I think of the God of fear, the idolatry of wealth, um, you know, security. There, we, we need a lot of people to not bow down to it and stop bowing. That's good, sir. Yeah. And, and that takes us, so if you ask me then, so what can I hold on to? What, I want George, I want this. I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, I want to be like Gideon and Daniel and all the women that, that got their dead back. Well, there's one promise that's so beautiful that we can give out of this um, piece of scripture tonight. And that is that when Nebuchadnezzar looked at them, he saw that they'd been joined by a fourth man that looked like a son of God. Now, many Jewish scholars would suggest that that was an angel, but it cannot be because they put a divinity to it. They say the son of God. There's a, there's a family yes. tie there. Yes. And so that's not an angel. And so the one promise that you can have is that when you dare to be in that fire, when you dare to, I love it, Isaiah scripture that you just quoted, Sam, Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 6. But now this is what the Lord say. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you alight because I am the Lord your God. I love you. I know your name. I have chosen you. I will be the fourth man in the fire. You want to hold on to one promise that supersedes all these other smaller promises. And that is the son of God will be right next to you. When that fire comes, if you dare not to bow your knee, you will not be alone. Excellent. We, we don't have a, that much more time, so I want to save the rest because there's a lot in with the idea of who is that fourth person? And you're right. I, I don't believe it's an angel either and that it is God the Son. And what does that mean? So we'll talk about that next time because there's, not much time, it's only literally six minutes for us. But I did wanna ask you um, a little bit more, just to flesh out a little bit more of 
you were with, um, I forgot her name, the one who lost a number of daughters. Linda, Linda Mzamba. And uh, she's from Zambia? No, no, she's from South Africa. She's from South Africa. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, it sort of touches on what we talked about last week, but the idea of being with someone towards the end of a person's life mm. and seeing faith through to that end, mm. you know, to have this type of faith that the Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, even though I, though you slay me, I will trust in you. Job's faith, um, you know, and Job didn't mean that he didn't wrestle. He was wrestling, but how do you have that faith when you're experiencing such deep loss? What does that yeah. look like? Yeah. And how do you have yeah. this type of faith, Meshach? Yeah. You know, and you've yeah. seen it many times. You've also seen the other side where yeah. there's, uh, I, I just can't imagine facing death without Christ. Yeah. Uh, to me, that that is something to be afraid of. To yeah, me, fear exactly. and anxiety makes complete complete sense. So you've experienced that. I thought you'd give, uh, you could give some, you know, your reflections and wisdom about that. What does that look like? And how do we prepare ourselves for that even? Well, I think what I have seen and what I'm totally convinced of is that I will not be able to do that, to cope like Linda did. I cannot. But I don't think Linda could either. I think it is like, you know, um, if you do running and you, you, if you run a marathon, they say three, two kilometers, you hit the wall. Man is not made to run further than that. But when you break through that wall, something happens. I think we, what we do is we do our part, and that is we draw close, we cling. I love the word cling. We cling to Jesus. He is our rescuer. His name is the great I am. That means I am for any situation. I am the one who gives you joy and new life. I am the one who stands next to the grave. I'm the one who holds your hand when everything falls apart. We must cling to the I am. And Sam, I've seen that many, many times, that when the tragedy comes, it is like something kicks in. There's a supernatural peace that comes upon people. There's a supernatural ability. Linda Mzimba, the lady I speak about, you know, two weeks after we buried her last daughter, and I, I remember I did Holy Communion with Linda and her daughter and myself. In fact, two of her daughters were passing away at the same time. They were lying on a floor. I sat in the middle of them with Linda. And I read to them scriptures from New Jerusalem. And Linda and their daughters sat there laughing, laughing with delight as I painted this vivid picture of New Jerusalem. And I said to them, you know, people kill each other for gold. People fight for gold. And may I share a secret with you? God is going to use gold for your paving. That's how important you are, man. That's how, how invaluable gold is and how valuable you are. And as I painted that picture to them, even on their deathbeds, there was a joy that they could understand the depths of what is coming. Not that she didn't mourn, not that my heart wasn't crushed, but there was a hope that was beyond human explanation. Paul speaks uh, in Philippians 4, where he said, the peace that's beyond human understanding. But two weeks after we buried her last daughter, I went out in that community to go and visit dying people. And as I walked on the road, here comes Linda Mzimba. And I stopped and I gave her this big hug and I said to her, Linda, Mama, go home. Go home. Don't mourn. And she looked at me and the tears were just pouring down her face. And she just said to me, Sipo, she said to me, today I'm bringing hope where people need hope. And she went with me and we went to go and wash, carry water, pray, bless, because Linda understood her savior. There was a peace and ability in Linda that was much bigger than Linda. So how can we prepare ourselves? Separate yourself from the Nebuchadnezzar. Make sure you don't end up on a plane of Dura and worship with all your friends around the important people. Go and find the place of disgrace where your king was slain against a tree and humble yourself and publicly 
be known that you belong at the foot of the cross. Cling to that foot of the cross. And I promise you, if, if that tragedy comes to your house, you will be ready. You will be ready. Wow, that is a, a thank you so much. That is a great word. Um, so it's nine o'clock. We want to let everyone go and do what they need to do. We want you to know that we are with you um, yes. in this season. Yes. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Um, keep your eyes fixed on him and he will not let you know. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so thanks, George, so much. And we look forward to seeing everyone on Friday. All right. Sam, can I just quickly ask yes. if anybody, if anybody wants any specific prayer requests, while Carolyn and I are here, we spend time in prayer and um, they can just send you that message on Facebook and you can forward it to us. But um, we pray much for the United States. We stand together. We love the church and the response and we are here to, to be a blessing. And so if we can pray in any way, please let us know or from anywhere in the world, whoever listens, we are happy to pray for people. Excellent. Thank you. Let me pray for us, speaking of which, and then we'll close. Father, thank you for showing us through your word the truth of the gospel of Christ that is not just in the New Testament, but in the Old. And we see the contrast of the trees, the one tree, one made of gold, standing tall, absolutely valueless and worthless and on the day when jesus you return mm. that all of our treasures all these things will be nothing but rubbish and junk mm. but there is a tree that was on a cross uh, on a hill on yes. golgotha outside the camp two thousand years ago that stands firm even through the ages yeah. And it's on that very tree that God, the son, the savior of the world was nailed so that you would bear the curse, Lord Jesus, not us, so that you would set us free when we look to you and believe in you. And I pray for those perhaps right now who are overwrought with fear, no matter where they are, no matter what they're experiencing, I pray that today we would remember the words that Jesus looked at his the, the thief that was being nailed to that tree next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. I pray that we would know that to be true for ourselves, that we know that's, that's assured. It's not a mythology. We know it to be true. We are made for a new place. For those who have never turned to you, I pray that they would trust in you. For those who have turned to you and believe in the name of Jesus, that we would live as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king. And that because of that, we'd be set free from fear, from anxiety. So thank you, Father, for your word. That is so true. That keeps us going, gives us a lot of joy. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great evening. Thank you. See Sam. you on Friday. Yes. Good evening, everyone. <laughs>